Are you ready for the word tonight? Ready for the power of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Let's welcome Pastor as he comes. Thanks, Paul. God is a good God. I'm glad to be here tonight. I'm glad to see you tonight. And we want to talk uh, a little bit more about the gifts of the Spirit. We're looking in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you can open your Bibles there if you'd like to. We're looking at this passage that deals with the gifts of the Spirit, how they work in our lives, and how they work in the church. And we're going to spend several weeks here in the auditorium just talking about these things. And so two weeks ago, uh, we talked about uh, the definition of the gifts of wisdom and, and knowledge. And tonight we want to talk about a couple of more. Just kind of laying just some basic foundation about uh, the gifts and understanding them as we look at how they are supposed to work. And uh, so let's stand together as we read the Word. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It's good to see uh, Ben Schubert back there. You graduated, didn't you, Ben? December. You graduate in December. So you finished up. You got one more semester to go. Good to have you home right now, but congratulations, buddy. Keep going after it. Uh, now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed or, as the word, and some say, ignorant. God doesn't want us to be uninformed about these things. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And we took time in the first couple of weeks of this to explain what was going on in Corinth at this time. If you missed that, you should be able to go online and, and find that in our, in our service and really explain why he's talking about those kind of terminologies and those kind of things in that passage. Now he goes on, he says, There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each, and, and that's a big thing right there, each, all of us, is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If you don't know what yours is, if you're not aware of it, you need to go through starting point. If you've been through starting point again, go through it again. And in the process of that, you take a spiritual assessment, and it begins to help you discover what your spiritual gifting is. And you need to know that and begin to understand it more and more. We don't want to be uninformed about these things. Verse, uh, they're given to us for the common good, for the use for everyone. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, as we look at this, it's good to look down at the end of this passage, and you find, before you go into, into verse 13, or chapter 13, uh, some that he makes very clear that some people get some, some of these and other people don't. And so there's some in this list that only some people are going to get. There's others on this list that we find as we go into 1 Corinthians 14 that God wants everybody to have and everybody to partake in. And so we need to understand that as we walk through this passage together. Lord, anoint this word to us. Anoint us to just grow in you. And tonight, as believers in you, we want the church to be filled with your purpose and your will. In Jesus' name, amen. I, mean, uh, I want to just take a minute and, and talk to you about Sunday mornings. In the next several Sunday mornings, we're going to uh, really talk about how faith should practically impact our life. Uh, faith is action-oriented. And we're going to talk about what that action means in our life probably through the month of June. 
and, uh, and I w- really want to encourage you to be here and be a part of it. Here is, is just, uh, I just want to give a little instruction to us. Almost every Sunday, uh, there are new people in our church, people new to Calvary. I, I met new people this last Sunday, the first time uh, in our church. Sometimes you meet people who have been coming for two or three weeks. Uh, it's our responsibility, not, not just the pastor's responsibility. It's the responsibility of all of us as, who call Calvary our home to make people who are new to our fellowship feel welcome. Now, part of it's really easy. It, you, you, most of you sit in the same place almost every week. Right? I mean, that's, it's not a, not, there's nothing wrong with that. You just kind of come sit in the same place. I can almost, you know, always know where, you, you know, where you're going to be if you're here. Oh, they're going to be, if they're not there, I know they're missing. Uh, most people do that. So if you're just aware of who sits around you, you just get to know the people who sit around you, and then all of a sudden there's somebody else there, chances are they're new. <laughs> Is that right? Chances are they're just not randomly jumping from place to place. Chances are they're new. And, uh, and the question we encourage you to ask is, uh, boy, how, how many times have you come to Calvary? And uh, if they say, well, I've been coming for two years. You go, man, we, just, we haven't met yet. Or it's great to meet you today. And, you know, isn't it great that we're in a place where there's so many people come? We can miss each other. Now we've now we met each other. And if they're brand new, uh, then it's a, a chance to really help them feel welcome. And here's what I would encourage you to do. Uh, I would encourage you to know your experience. And, and you, know, you know how we talk about uh, being able to share our testimony in 30 seconds? Uh, this is a great moment to know your Calvary experience in 30 seconds. Hey, I started coming here as a teenager I got involved in the youth group, and this is now, you know, this is what, hey, I started coming here two years ago, and this is what I love about the church, and I found the church to be, you know, really great about this, this, and this. Now, if there's any weaknesses you've seen, you can leave those out till later. You don't have to share those at that moment. That's a great time to sit and say, uh, this is what I love about our church, and I think you'll love it too. And, uh, and just giving that word of encouragement and letting somebody who's new to the church hear you say that. I found the people here to be so friendly. I found this just helps people go, oh, then this is a good place to come. And so I want to encourage you. And, and here's one thing I want to, want to kind of emphasize. Uh, I talk, we talk to staff about this a lot. The, the five to eight minutes right after service ends uh, are kind of prime time minutes for new people to the church, especially if they've come on their own. They, they haven't come with a friend. If they've come with, you know, if you brought them as a friend, you, you may hold on to them a little longer and walk around and show them things and, and, and you know, introduce them to people. If they've just come on their own, they've just heard about the church and they've come on their own, that first Five to eight minutes, they're going to probably walk out the back door, grab their kids, and head out whatever door. They're just going to naturally do that because they don't have any reason, other reason to hang around. And so that first five to eight minutes is really key for all of us to be looking not for our friends that we talk to all the time, but to be looking for people who we never get to talk to how we've never met, and to go over and say, hey, how are you doing today? And just be friendly with them and, and, and step out and show some hospitality. And, and you say, well, hey, I'm not really that way. Just think about it this way. If you had a stranger in your house, would you ignore them? 
No, if you had some event at your house and you told some friends, hey, invite, you know, invite a friend or two, they can come over too, it's okay, and they were in your house, you wouldn't just ignore them. You'd go over and say, hey, how are you? Whose friend are you? Oh, you came with so Oh, great, it's so nice to have you here. You'd just be friendly. And that's what we're telling you. This is what we want to be as a church. We want to be a church that when a person comes in the door, they are overwhelmed with the kindness of our fellowship. Amen? And that, that means all of us have to participate in that by just looking for folks, being aware, and knowing, hey, that first five to eight minutes, uh, hey, we, we can stick around a little bit and talk to all of our friends, but right now uh, I'm, I'm on the hunt. I'm looking for people I don't know. I'm looking for people I haven't met. I'm looking for people who maybe need some help and trying to help them find it. Espe here, here's one last one. Especially if you see a family come in and they've got two or three kids and they're kind of looking around, uh, you know, like, what do we do? Uh, that is a perfect time for somebody to say, can I help you find anything? And what we all know where the kids' department's at. We know how to get them there. If you don't, uh, come on out there and we'll show you after service. It's right there, folks. There's only two doors. Uh, we did that on purpose. So just help people. Just be a blessing. And I think as our church does that, that opens the door for people to say, this is a friendly place that I can trust. And when they hear our testimonies, they begin to say, this is a place where I can grow. And so uh, I want to encourage you in that. Tonight, uh, we're going to take a look at three gifts real quickly. Faith, healing, and miracles. These are known as the gifts of power by theologians. And when they talk about these gifts of power, they talk about faith being the root gift of the three. That the other two are absolutely require faith uh, for them to take place. Now here's what we, we understand. Uh, the New Testament is very clear that every believer has to have faith at a certain level. Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So here we, we just see it. Without faith we can't please God. Uh, Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. We get saved because of faith. So faith is required. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. So all of us have some measure of faith in our life just to be saved. Now we believe this faith can grow. We believe that faith is supposed to grow. It's supposed to get stronger as we grow in our knowledge of God. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And the indication that we get is that a person is sparked to faith of salvation by teaching, preaching, and testimony that as they hear the word of God, Faith is sparked in them. The, the Word penetrates into their life and sparks an element of faith, and they get the inner knowledge that this is right. But we also get the indication that as we study the Word and as we know the Word, that we will grow in our faith and grow in our confidence of who God is in our life. Knowing the Word builds our faith. This is one of the reasons we encourage you to come to classes like this, so good for you. This is one of the reasons why we encourage you to read your Bible. This is one of the reasons why we encourage you to be in a small group where you can talk about the Word and hear other people's experiences in the Word because as you do those things, your faith will grow. Your faith will get strengthened. Now, Taking action on God's Word builds faith. You see the story and you kind of get the, 
the indication of David when he is uh, about to go face the giant and Saul says to him, what makes you think that you can take on the giant? And he says, well, you know, when I was out, uh, you know, with the, with the sheep, I, we got attacked by a bear and by a lion and I took them on. And, and, and you're thinking, okay, well, he took on, you know, the bear and the lion, so the giant's okay. And you're thinking, he took on a bear and a lion. Bears and lions are not little things. But somewhere along the line, he saw those as stepping stones of faith to take on the giant. And what I, what I think we need to understand in our life is there's going to be big challenges in life. And we want, it, we want to be incrementally growing in faith so we are ready for the things that are coming and we can live righteously and respond righteously. <clears throat> I would tell you, this is where giving really impacts us today. Financial giving is one of these places where God says to us, the one place where God says to us, test me in this. Test me in it. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Put me to the test. Try me. Now, it's important to remember uh, you know, I, I kind of cringe and, you know, when you hear somebody on, on, on TV go, uh, you send me $100, God's going to give you, you know, a tenfold blessing, you're going to get $1,000 back. I always wonder why they don't take a hundred, you know, all of their money and sow it into some other ministry so they just get tenfold back. You know, but the truth, the, the truth is it doesn't always come back in dollars and cents. Sometimes it does. I have many testimonies of how it does. But there's things that money can't buy that God does do. Listen, if, if your children were not living for God, what would you rather have? More money or your children living for God? What, what, would, you, what would you rather do? If, if you had... You know, if you found yourself suffering with some, you know, some addiction of some sort, what would you rather have, freedom or more money? Freedom. There's a lot of things that, that money, if, if, if your mind is dark, you don't have an understanding, would you rather have understanding or more money? I'd rather have understanding. There's a lot of things that money can't buy that God blesses us with. If your relationships are broken, would you rather have God heal them? I'd rather have God heal them than give me more money. Now, I'm not, if he wants to give me money, I'll take it. Wouldn't you? But if it came down to, hey, here's the shelf. You can take money or you can have all your kids living for God. I'm standing in front of that one. I want all my kids living for God. I want all my grandkids living for God. There's things I want more than I want money. And, and so I'm grateful to understand that God says, I'm going to pour out blessing on you when you're obedient to me, and we need to see it. And this is one of the places where, where as we do this and we do what God tells us to, he proves himself to us, and we begin to see the blessing, and we begin to trust him, and faith gets stronger. Faith is based on the confidence that God will do what he says. Now, the gift of faith is a spirit-given ability to see something God wants done and to have absolute confidence that no matter what the odds against it are, it will get done. This is a, 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 happens in a moment in time that God gives you or that person with the gift. This is what God's dream is. This is what God's future is. And I have confidence that it's going to get done. Faith tells us about the future. Faith reminds us. This natural faith, it tells us, hey, I have a desire in my heart that is a godly, righteous desire God's going to meet this desire someday. I've got to just trust him. Now, we get in trouble when we go out and try to make it happen ourselves. And then there are moments when God gives somebody a vision and a purpose, and he gives us a gift of faith that no matter how 
difficult it may be, you know it's going to get done. Remember, God is omnipotent. That means he is all-powerful. His will can suspend all other power. Nothing's greater than God. And so for me, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll find myself and found myself at times where God has shown me something he wants me to do, something he wants the church to be involved in, something he wants us to, to tackle, and you get in the middle of it, and there's obstacles, and there's, there's rivers to cross, there's enemies to fight, there's all kinds of things going on that's trying to keep that from happening. And when you pray and you're saying, God, I'm in the middle of this, the assurance comes, remember, I told you to do this. I told you to do this. It may look bleak right now. But that's because I'm going to show my glory in it tomorrow. In my time, in my will. Listen, the church has to have people in places of leadership that walk in faith. Otherwise, the church is man-led instead of spirit-led. You got that? See, faith has vision. Faith sees the preferable future. It sees what God wants that person to see, and faith begins to move towards that future, towards what he wants you to do. I, I remember clearly as a, as a young pastor, getting uh, a youth pastor, getting some vision for our youth group and uh, some things that we, that we wanted to do, and, and uh, we needed some money to do it, and we'd presented it. My, my dad, I, I didn't go to the board meetings back in those days. Dad had presented it to the board. The board had said, yes, uh, go for it, uh, but they, they, they didn't approve any money for it. And, and they just said, you know, go do it. Well, what about the money? Well, we're not, we're not, we, don't, we don't have the money. Just good luck. You know, God bless you. And I remember being really frustrated for, for, a, for a short time in that. And the Lord spoke to me and said, listen, if this is my, is this my will? Yes. They've, have they given you approval? Yes. Then I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Start going. And, and back in, in those days, we, we, we used to receive an offering in the Oasis. And uh, I'll, let me tell you quick, quick, quickly. We, we'd receive this offering, and we were getting 8 or $9 a week, and I was putting in, you know, four or five of it. And so it wasn't very encouraging. And, uh, and, and I went to, we are talking about this, we used to go to Pizza Hut down where the Thai kitchen place is now in Chatham. We'd go there. After and I would sit there, I was sitting there one night, and uh, for some it was a God thing. God set me. I sat at a place on, on the table where I, I could see the cash. Remember the old cash registers where they'd ring up and the numbers would pop up on both sides so you could see how much it was. They had one of those cash registers, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching kids go up and pay, and and for what it just kind of got my attention, and and I'm sitting there watching. And before the, and I started adding up how much money they were paying for their pizza. And by the time they were done, they'd spent over 80 or $90 on pizza and drinks. And, and had given about $8 in the offering. And I thought, well, there's something wrong with this. This, this isn't a good, so we started talking more about giving. And we, we, here's what we did. We came to this conclusion. You can do this. And you, I, I've never tried this with adults. It probably wouldn't work well. But with them, this is what I did. I said, okay, we're going to get $25 in the offering every week. We're going to get $25. We are not going home until I get $25. And so I would be, I, we had our ushers that received the offering. And while I'm preaching, they had a big, ch big chalkboard in the back they would hold up. They would say, 1876. And I'd okay, we've got to get seven more dollars. You know, I always rounded it up. Uh, Sixteen whatever. And so at the end of the message, we'd get all done. I'd say, okay, we need eight more dollars before we can go home. I've got the first one who's going to give the And when they know we're not going home until kids give. You know, they, 
they, they gave, we always, we were getting our $25. So we started getting our $25 every week. That was just the nature of what we did. And, uh, and I, I'll never forget, we went in and we presented this. And, uh, and so now it was time to present it to the youth group. And I presented the idea. We wanted to bring some groups in and do some things and some things that we wanted to do. And I, I presented it to the youth group that night. And we received our offering at the end of the service that night. And at the end of that service that night, we got $172 in the offering. And I was... blown away by that. And I'll tell you, for the next 10 years that I was in the Oasis, we never got an offering under $150 again. God just, and many, many times far more than that, that God blessed these kids and, and they learned that as they gave, God blessed them. Because God, he's not limited by what we think are limitations. God blessed these kids. He blessed what our efforts were. We were doing what he wanted us to do. And he made a door. He made a way uh, for that thing to happen. So I would say, I'll just tell you, faith moves towards that future. It sees the future and it moves towards it. This is why uh, we need leaders throughout the church, pastoral leaders, stewardship team members, uh, elders, deacons, that don't just have natural wisdom. You take a stewardship team, you want men and you want people on that stewardship team that have administrative gifts, financial gifts, understand finances, understand those things, especially in a ministry that is as diverse as our ministry is. We have, you know, the retirement center and the hitting center and the daycare and the school. and We've got all these different Hope Thrift Center, all these different moving parts that are happening. And so you need guys who are smart enough to be able to look at that and know where we're at and know where we're going and, and make good decisions. But you also need people that can sit and say, all right, this is where we're at. But we sense God's telling us to go here. And, and, and yes, this seems like a challenge. But God's told us to go there. Otherwise, you're, you're man-led. Otherwise, you are money-led. Other, otherwise, you are just led by natural circumstances. And the church isn't supposed to be led by that. Yeah, it gives us some direction. Yeah, we're not supposed to be foolish. But there comes moments in time when God says to all of us, step out and do this. And it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense for Moses to go talk to the Pharaoh. It didn't make sense to lead him out into the desert. Many, many times what God tells us to do doesn't make sense in the, in the, in the course of human understanding, but God's going to reveal himself in the middle of it, and people of faith have the ability to see that, know that, and step out in faith and do what God tells them to do. Is that right? Amen. Faith that stays steady when things seem in peril. That, see, that faith can't be shaken. You can't, you can't have guys who are bailing when things get tough. You make a faith decision and you stay the course. You don't check out in the middle of it. God told us to do that. And Luther Miller, who just passed away, was at his funeral last week. I remember there would be times when the board would make some decision. There may be some ramification from that decision. And I'd, maybe I'd be, a little, I'd be a little disturbed about some of the ramifications. And Luther would come by and say to me so many times, he'd come by and say, Pastor, we prayed about this. We prayed about this. We, we did the right thing. God's got this. And just another brother walking up by you and saying that, uh, especially someone with maturity Luther had, just breathes faith into you. Yep, Luther, you're right. We did pray about this. Yep, we did make the decision we think God told us to make. Yeah? 
Well, some people may not like that, but hey, we, 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 we did what we believe God told us to do. Because you've got to be able to, in the middle of that, stay the course, even when things seem to be in peril. God told us that he's going to move on our behalf. Now, listen, the biggest enemy of faith is wishful thinking. Wishful thinking is usually birthed in our desires instead of God's desires. That's where you have to be really, really careful. If it's just your desire, if it's just coming from your, from your inner wants, that's not the promise of God. It's got to be this God-centered activity in our life. So the first step in all acts of faith is to be certain that you are acting in God's will and not simply your own. Here at Calvary, we believe in a plurality of leadership. It's why we have an eldership team. It's why we have stewardship teams. It's why we have many. We believe in a plurality of leadership where a group of people get together, pray, seek what God's will is, make decisions, and move forward in them because that keeps us from any one individual having a wishful thinking moment. Because now it's the group of us seeking what God's will is. And what you want in the middle of that is not people in leadership who are seeking their agenda. You've got to have people in every level of leadership, whether that's in youth ministry, children's ministry, wherever it is, who want God's will for that ministry and are seeking God's will for that ministry. So you're not led away by somebody else's desire saying what you want to say or saying what someone wants to hear is a real danger. This is, this is the danger sometimes uh, when people are, are sick and we love them so much and we want to see them healed and, and it's, it's welling up within us, our desires welling up within us and we make a mistake and we think that's faith. We think that's God's voice. You've got to be able to separate that. You've got to be able to move that out and say, okay, is, is God really speaking to me or is my love for this person and my desire for this person speaking to me? If you're the one that's sick and you're looking at your family and you're saying, God's told me he's going to heal me, you're, you're setting your family up either to wreck their faith or to build their faith. You better be certain it's not your wishful thinking that it's what God's spoken to you and that God's given you a promise. Now, the purpose of faith is so the church will be built up. That's the purpose of faith. I had someone tell me once that they were having faith, believing God for a new dining room set. And, and you know, and, and, I mean, folks, I, I believe God can bless you with things. I believe he likes to bless us with things. I he may bless you with that. He may bless you with more. Uh, he gives us our heart's desires. I, you know, there's things I'd like to have sometimes I pray for, but I, I pray with God, I would like this for me or for my family. I know you can make a way, but I want what's in the middle of your will. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to spend a lot of my time praying for that stuff. That's the blessing of God. There. Sometimes we fight or we long for the trivial when the importance all around us. We should be concerned about the lost people in our community. And here's what I've noticed. When we get concerned about the right things, God has a tendency to take care of the little things in the process. He has a tendency to bless, him, bless us as we're faithful. Real faith seeks out the will of God in matters of eternity and follows God's leading. This is what happens when faith begins to stir in your life. You begin to long for the right things. And as we sit here today, we're going to see something great. We want to compel every person in central Illinois to consider the claims of Jesus. That's huge. And we need to continually see how that's unfolding. 
how we're going to get that done. One of the things we've been challenging you in is to be inviters, to invite people to church. One of the things we've been challenging this church in is to be a people who have spiritual talks with lost people in your life. You tell your story. Because we believe that that's the primary way God wants to challenge people to really begin to consider and understand the claims of Christ. So faith is this thing where we sit and we see what God wants us to do and we begin to step out in what God would have us to do, doing our part in it and letting God bless us along the way. We could look at the children coming out of Israel or out of Egypt and all the things. They didn't know where they were going to get water. They didn't know where they were going to get food. They didn't know how all these things were going to take place. But on the journey, God took care of it. You know when they got in trouble? They got in trouble time and time again because they, instead of just simply asking God, they got mad at God. Isn't that right? We ask God. We ask God. All right, here's the second thing. The other is the gift of healing. We can all pray for the sick. I, I would tell you, uh, you know, when you meet somebody and, and they're sick, wherever you're at, ask them if they want you to pray for them. I, I would encourage you, don't, don't wait until uh, you get home. Pray for them right there. Certain people are told to pray for the sick. Pastors and elders are told to pray for the sick to lay hands on people, and to pray for the sick. But some have been given a special faith to pray for people who need to be healed. And, and you know, if you think that's you, you believe that's you, you need to talk to us. We need to put you in places where you can do that. Now, I don't think anybody can explain. I've never heard anybody explain to me clearly why some people are healed and others are not. I just, I just have never read a book. I've never heard a guy teach and say, here it is that's given me any satisfaction. As a Christian, my purpose and my identity are found in my place as his servant. We are servants of God. We live for his glory. The call of our lives ultimately is to live to show the, the world His glory through our lives. So here's what this means. If He heals us, we give Him glory. Amen? If we walk through sickness and die and go to heaven... We give him glory. We, we honor him. We say our trust is in him. Our faith is in him. We live for his glory. He is our Lord. I am not his Lord. He is not my, you know, my, my vending machine that I can go and pull and get whatever I want. He is Lord. We live in faith, trusting and, and following after him. Before I was his... I had no power over anything. In him, I have power over the flesh by the Holy Spirit. In him, I have power over the enemy and what the enemy would do in my life. But I am still his and not mine. So we trust him. We get to plead our cause. We get to come to elders and pastors and ask them to pray for us. We get to go to people who have gifts of healing and say, I want to be healed. Pray for me. And at the end of the day, we've got, we're called to live for his glory. To live for his honor in whatever comes our way and to trust him. Listen, God heals for his glory. He heals to confirm his message. He heals to help his people. He heals for a lot of reasons. Now, everyone I have prayed for ever in my life, I have known that God had the ability to heal them, and I have wanted them to be healed. Some have been healed. Some haven't. I don't get to make that choice. My call is to pray a prayer of faith, believing that God can heal them. That's our call. 
Some have been healed. I'll tell you, I, I've, I've had a few people healed that I was pretty certain they weren't going to get healed. If it all depended on my faith in that moment, they wouldn't have got healed, and God healed them. I mean, just miraculously touched them, and I thought, you know, this is a waste of prayer because they're, they're gone. And seeing, just seeing God do marvelous things. And I've had others that I was certain God was going to heal them, and it didn't happen. God gives the healing not at the will of the person praying. It's not even dependent upon the faith of the person being prayed for. God will help us in our struggle. It's dependent upon His will. And it's up to us to trust Him. And finally tonight, uh, the gift of miracles. Miracles are when God suspends the laws of man and does His work to extend His kingdom. We find them all through the New Testament. Jesus turns the water into wine. Jesus walks on the water. Jesus speaks and calms a storm. Peter is set free from the prison and walks out of the prison. Paul and Silas are unshackled in the prison. At Philippi, Paul is, built, is bit by a snake and survives unharmed and isn't even sick because of it. You see all through the Acts of the Apostles, all through the New Testament, these wonderful, marvelous miracles that God does to extend His kingdom. We make two errors. Error number one is sometimes we just simply don't see them when they happen. We just don't recognize. God protects us. Uh, he keeps us. And he does something for us. And, and we just think it was a coincidence instead of seeing that God did something for us. Now here's the, the big question. What, what miracle do we need right now? What sea? Do, do we need a sea parted anyplace? Uh, do we need water turned into wine anywhere? You know, there may, there may be some places around the world where jails need to be open. And the question is, do we pray in faith for them to open? Do we pray in faith, believing God? We do have spiritual miracles that we do need. There are people who have addictions that need to be broken. There are people who have spiritually blind eyes that need to be opened. We do need new favor in our government. We need political transformation. And the question is, do we believe in miracles enough to pray for it to happen? So one of the mistakes that we make is we don't see them when they do make, when they do when we do when they do happen and then we don't seek them when we need them. We don't seek them when we need them. You know, we call for a prayer service to pray for you know an election or we call for a prayer service to pray for a Easter services where we want to see people get saved and transformed. And so many times, the majority of people just stay home. Instead of saying, you know what? We really need to see a miracle in Springfield, Illinois. We, we've got people who are lost, people headed the wrong direction. We've got the wrong values being espoused. We need to see transforming power in our, in our city, in our community, around central Illinois and in our nation. And so I just want to challenge you. When we have a prayer time and we're going to pray for something like that, we're going to pray for a day for souls to be saved or for people to be set free from addictions or for people to be healed, then let's come and pray. And let's believe God for miracles. Now, I think we've seen some modern-day miracles. One of the modern-day miracles I think we've seen is the story of One Hope. Bob Hoskins was with us uh, this year. And the fact that it started, you know, these 30-some, 40-some years ago with God opening a door and telling them to put 
a Bible in the hands of every child in El Salvador. And now they've given out over a billion books of hope all around the world. And you hear the stories of how God places, you know, Rob on an airplane next to, I think it was the head, one of the, the head of education for Russia, and they get talking, get to talking, and God opens the door, and they get to go into Russia and pass out millions and millions. That's a miracle, folks. That is a miracle. For those of us with any age on us, to be able to freely take Bibles into the, the public schools of Russia is a modern-day miracle. And we need to see that these kind of things are still happening. Other countries that whose doors have been closed uh, have been opened. Now listen, there's no formula to get miracles or healings to happen other than this. Faith is required and God's will is required. When you know you're in God's will, which I would tell you the way we know that is through a plurality of leadership. Let me just give you an illustration. In the, in, in the book of Acts, years before, Paul has been called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Now, probably 13 years have gone by, and he's in Antioch. And a group of the leaders are together, and they're praying. Right? Remember the story? In the middle of the prayer, God says to them, the Holy Spirit says to them, set apart for me Paul or Barnabas and Paul for the work that I have called them to do. Paul didn't just rush out and go do it. That plurality of leadership came around and confirmed and sent them out in the right time, in the right, in the right place, sent them to go, supporting them and sending them. And I think where some of us make mistakes is we, we get this wishful thinking going, and boy, this would be a noble thing, and we want to rush out and do it. And God is saying, just, I've given you a dream. I'm giving you a dream. Now get ready for it. Just get prepared. Wait on me. Trust me. Develop and grow and get ready. Grow in, in your faith until leadership, until that plurality of people around you say, when are you going to do what God wants you to do? So faith is required. God's will is required. And then we move towards the vision. All right, these are just a couple of brief things on overview of, of, of what the gifts are. And uh, we'll talk about a few more next week. And then we're going to get into some very, very important things about how all this stuff works inside the church. So has this been good tonight? Has this been helpful? All right, let's stand together and let's pray. Father, I thank you for my friends here tonight. And Lord, I, I, I just believe that you want us to have faith. I know you want us to have faith. It's, it's not a question. I know you want to use some people in this room to pray for people, for people to be healed. That you're giving them faith and confidence to pray those kind of prayers. And we pray that our altars right around here, that these altars would be a place where people being healed of infirmities, of sickness, would be common. We pray our altars would be a place where people are set free from addiction. Common. Father, that, that people going through things. We, we pray for our special needs kids that, that around these altars there'd be special needs kids healed. Healed, transformed. Father, not for the glory of any man, but Father, for the glory of Jesus for the glory of his kingdom. Let his name be lifted up and our names be forgotten. Let his name be glorified. 
And Father, let all of us take the back seat and always boast only in him. But Lord, I pray that you would show us, let leadership in this church always be leadership that has faith, that sees the preferable future, that isn't afraid to pray and believe for miracles. Lord, there's some things we believe you've called us to do. We need some miracles to get them done. You've opened some doors this year. You've changed some circumstances. We believe right now you're in the process of changing one circumstance that's really going to help us. And Lord, I, I just pray you'd change all the circumstances and let your vision for this property, your vision for this community, your vision for this ministry unfold in powerful ways. We pray that as we come to Vacation Bible School, that this year Vacation Bible School would impact more children's lives than we ever have before. Let your word get planted deeply in children's hearts so that they'll serve you all the days of their life. And Father, we pray you draw in families who are unchurched, families who've wandered from church, families, Father, who've gotten lazy in their faith, and Father, on that Sunday morning when we gather together to celebrate Vacation Bible School, that you would light a fire of your Spirit in their hearts. And lives, people would get saved, lives would be rededicated, Father, purpose would be discovered, and new growth would happen in their lives. And Father, we pray finally tonight. I thank you for the men and women that are here. But I pray you'd light a fire in our church that we would want to grow in your word. That the classes we offer to equip us to serve well, that, Father, we would pick the right ones, we would teach what you would tell us to teach, and that this church fellowship would be known as a people hungry to grow in your word and in your truth, and then to go out and act upon it. So let us go in faith tonight. Father, I believe there's somebody here tonight who's needing faith for something, and you're trying to speak it to their life. You're telling them it's going to be okay. You're telling them you have this. You want them to leave this place, Father, I believe, with new hope in their life, and I pray you'd stir that in them right now, and they would know this is for them. And Father, let us walk in the faith of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord tonight, and see you Sunday. Sunday.